Today on this edition of Strongcast, Jason Russell and Jacob Rich will join us to discuss the Trump cult. Yes, the Trump cult. And also, we're going to talk a little about something that really matters, Facebook and the era of censorship of Farrakhan and Alex Jones and Diamond and Silk and others. That and much more on this edition. We're going to talk a little politics, not politics, today on this edition of Strongcast. Join us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Strongcast with your host, Armstrong Williams. Um, today, we're going to talk about censorship. You know, I found it interesting that President Trump now wants to see whether or not his good friend James Woods, the founder of InfoWars and Diamond and Silk, all of a sudden they're saying, Facebook is saying, there is censoring far-right individuals. Farrakhan is included in that. I'm sure the president is not going to defend Farrakhan. But I do find it interesting that in the latest round with Facebook, they decided to, on background, discuss it with the press instead of just making it happen. Because what you do, you give these people that you're going to sense an opportunity to use your platform to tell them where they can find you. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens. So censorship, freedom of speech, Facebook, the president, well, I can't talk about this alone. This is just one of the topics we're going to talk about. There are so many things to talk about. But my man from the Washington Examiner, Jason Russell, is back with us. It's always good to see Jason. Is it Jacob Rich? Yep. Jacob Rich. Are you rich? <laughs> always. Oh, I like that. I was born. Uh, mathematician, economist, reason, uh, but also a journalist. So, Jason, it's, it's interesting. Now, the president is interested for his own political reasons. Right. There's no principle at work here right. for the president. So let's just establish that. But what do you think of the latest with this censorship? I mean, I think the most obvious thing to say is that Facebook is a private company. It can you know, decide who uses its platform and decide who is banned from its platform. But um, at the same time, I think everybody wants to know that those rules are being uh, done fairly and that there are, uh, you know, bad actors on both sides are being, uh, you know, fairly censored when it is uh, necessary to do so. so. Does Alex Jones and Farrakhan and others fall under that criteria? Uh, well, apparently for Facebook, I think, you know, they're opening themselves up a big can of worms because, uh, you know, you're going to have people saying, well, you know, you know, Alex Jones said this, but, uh, you know, isn't this thing that's you know, David Duke or whoever else said just as bad, shouldn't they also be kicked off of Facebook? So, uh, you know, if they had just said, look, we're a hands-off platform, like we're in favor of free speech, everyone is, can say whatever they want to say, um, and, you know, sure, we'll, you know, censor inappropriate material and incitement to violence and things like that, but, uh, you know, we're going to be hands-off and, and let free speech reign. But if, if they're going to say, you know, we're going to censor this kind of content and this kind of content, then uh, it, it's a big can of worms in terms of trying to figure out and, and be fair to both sides when that happens. Now, Jason, you're with Young Democracy. Young Voices. Young Voices. All the same. They're Voices of <laughs> Democracy. Um, where do you fall on this issue? Well, 
I tend to be libertarian in the majority of my political beliefs. Where I see the most controversy is going to come is the fact that many people, especially on the right, don't see these companies as necessarily private entities. They see them as open public forums. And if they are discriminating against anybody's right to speak, they think the government should intervene. That it's actually a First Amendment violation for these companies to be preventing anyone from speaking. And I don't know. I, I mean, the fact that in Silicon Valley, when you show up there with a new company, they say, hey, welcome to Silicon Valley. And you're three days away from being irrelevant. The fact that any one of these companies can go down any moment and be replaced with a superior alternative, which has happened with many companies in the space. MySpace is a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. I know no one with an account anymore. Sorry. I, I definitely disagree with the notion that the First Amendment really applies to these private entities. But because of the regulatory capture that Facebook is about to go through with Mark Zuckerberg basically telling Congress, yes, regulate us. Yes, mm -hmm. I'll tell you exactly how to do it. I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like when you have the government actually protecting these companies from competition and through that regulatory capture, how does the First Amendment apply to that? So, And it's obviously, it's very strategic. He had no choice but to include someone like Farrakhan, so it did not appear that everyone was yeah. on the right to offend the conservatives. Uh, and so, and then Farrakhan certainly has his defenders uh, in Congress. Snoop Dogg. Uh, Snoop Dogg, yeah, you saw that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's defending him. Uh, <laughs> and to defend Farrakhan, you're anti-Semite and you despise Jews, uh, which he referred to once as a gutter religion. Mm -hmm. um, but even in the most, in the most ugliest tones that people use sometimes, don't you think we're opening Pandora's box? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think most people know how to push back on hateful speech. I think, you know, if you're... Facebook friend posts something that, you know, has white supremacist undertones, then there are going to be plenty of people saying, hey, that's not right. And, you know, this is wrong. Or if someone else, uh, you know, is a Holocaust denier and posts something uh, questioning the history of the Holocaust, then there's going to be a lot of people who are that person's friends pushing back and saying, you know, actually, let me respond to this. Here's documentation here, here, and here that kind of refutes your points. But I think when you... Uh, silence those viewpoints, which I, I get that there are good intentions there, um, but then those those beliefs kind of fester underneath the waters uh, and under the without you know in the dark um, and, until someone can you know come up and say, hey, you know this is how, what the other side is, and this is how it's you know how, why white supremacy is wrong, and here's why the Holocaust actually did happen. So. Um, you know, that's why I think it's better when someone has bad beliefs for them to be open about those beliefs so that it's easier for us to correct them. You know, I'm, I'm going to switch topics here. Uh, let me go back to um, Jason with Reason. Jacob. Uh, Jacob and Young Voices. I like it when you correct me, and you should, because <laughs> I am human. Um, you know, it's interesting. What does um, George Bush Sr., Jimmy Carter and Herbert Hoover all have in common. They're the only incumbents in the last century, the last 100 years, that ever lost an election as an incumbent. Hoover 
um, and, Car and Carter found themselves in a severe depression, especially Hoover. And Bush found himself in a recession. Now, we've never had a president with the kind of moral challenges as President Trump. But we cannot... Hmm? I mean, you, you've had Kennedy. Yeah, it is. This is true. I'm glad, mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. At least we were not told about it until much later. Yes. Mm -hmm. At it least we public. get. Yeah. At least we get his in real time. That's a very good point. But when you look at the unemployment numbers, you look at how the economy is growing, what we have learned about incumbents, it doesn't really matter what their moral character is, what their flaws are. Until the Democrats, they can talk about Mueller and Barr and whatever they want. But if this engine keeps on chugging the way it's chugging, it's going to be very difficult to defeat this incumbent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And I don't think they are going to defeat him. I agree with uh, Nick Gillespie. He's been talking at Reason a lot about how Donald Trump basically is impermeable to anybody. He's basically the juggernaut, Teflon Don. And I think it's because he's funny. You know, back in the day, we used to read papers and our, the way that we consumed media was very boring. But nowadays, the incentives of people for how they vote for president is basically who's entertaining to them. I mean, Washington is so impervious to any sort of executive action that most people's lives, at least in America, are not going to change depending on who's president. No matter who's elected, we're all going to be here eating ribs whenever we want. I got to tell you, sir, there are a lot of immigrants' lives are going to change because Donald Trump's in that White right. House. Yeah. Now, you, now, let me just say, I'm glad you brought this up. Let me tell you sure, this. Sure, sure. Donald Trump is definitely entertaining. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. But let me tell you, he's also deadly serious. Let's not ignore how deadly serious he is. Mm -hmm. He's serious about immigration. He's serious about the Chinese tariffs. He's serious about Putin. He's serious about Kim Jong-un. He is serious. I mean, he's the kind of person that can believe something so strongly, he's willing to blow up both parties to get it done. Just like the trillion dollar package that he and Pelosi and Schumer went over recently, he liked it because the numbers were big. Mm -hmm. They tried to make fun of it, but Donald Trump, there are real results of him being in the White House in terms, I mean, I saw something last week that was being argued in the African-American community. There was a poll that came up that 12% of blacks would vote for him and 5% are undecided. And the community was upset. Who are these people that would vote for this man? Why? It's because of their economy. That's what people understand. If people have more money in the bank, they can have more options on the table. You know what? I can take care of my own moral character, my own moral striving. Just do your job as president. I didn't elect you to be moral. It would be nice, but a president could be moral like George Bush Sr. was, and the economy takes, and they're going to vote you out of office. Jacob? That smile again. <laughs> yeah. Say what you mean, I'm, mean what you say. Yeah, I, it'd be nice for presidents to be the type of people you can go up to your children and say, hey, I want you to be like them. This is a person who made it, and in this country, anyone can do anything, and I want you to be like this individual. And going out and having sex with porn stars while your wife is pregnant is probably not that. Probably 
shouldn't want your children to do that. Definitely don't want my children to do that. But uh, yeah, I think it just comes back to him being entertaining at the end of the day. The fact that he's funny and the fact that I think we just have such a negative opinion of politicians in general. Um, public support of Congress is near an all-time low, if not at an all-time low. And basically every other institution in the United States is at an all-time low. So I think that the American public in general thinks that most people, if not everybody, in the political sphere is a terrible human being. And the fact that Donald Trump is public with it is actually a breath of fresh air. I think mo most people who did not like President Obama assumed that there were some skeletons in his closet that just never came out. And if he was as forthright about his uh, everyday behavior as President Trump was, we'd probably think similar of President Obama. I mean, I don't agree with that, but I mean, if you go to the middle of the country where I'm from, they, they, there's not a very high opinion of Washington. You know, he makes a, a, a very a salient point, um, Jason. None of us, no, people just don't like goody two-shoes. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. They don't like people who try to be perfect. They like people who are flawed, who are human, because it reminds them of themselves. And that's a very good point. And, and I don't even think, and I think the president understands this, that the president, no one could ever say that Donald Trump is fake. Yeah. You may call it fake news, but you can't call him fake. Yeah. In fact, he's too revealing. Yeah. He's too open about who he is. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, th this kind of goes back to the, what you made your point about being entertaining. I think it's entertaining slash relatable. I think, um, you know, yes, obviously George H.W. Bush beat Michael Dukakis, but, you know, I don't think anyone thought Michael Dukakis was very entertaining or relatable. Um, but then when it came against Bill Clinton, you know, he's uh, a guy who plays the saxophone. He's a governor from, uh, from Arkansas. It's hard to, it's much easier to relate to him than it is to relate to the guy who's been in politics for 40 years and was extremely qualified for the presidency, but... Uh, I think people care less about qualifications and, and care more about, one, I think most they care about pocketbook, like you mentioned, but I think, two, they also care about that entertainment factor. And certainly Bill Clinton has been entertaining. Uh, George W. Bush was more entertaining than Al Gore. Barack Obama was more entertaining than John McCain. And Donald Trump was more entertaining than Hillary Clinton. The other difference with Donald Trump is that he has no bottom. He will go wherever he needs to go to win to malign you or take you out of the race. Some people feel you should have a certain dignity. There's certain things that you would not say. Just this past week, like he referred to Hillary Clinton during the debate, he referred to Kamala Harris as that nasty woman. That's, you don't say in politics, but to say a woman is nasty, there are all kinds of things that are, you're trying to convey in that statement, and he says it, mm -hmm. and it, doesn't, while it would destroy any other candidate and take them out, it seems to give him more fuel, Jacob. Does. I don't know. I mean, how much of what he's saying is just not true, though? I mean, Kamala Harris's record is incredibly questionable where she is now versus where she was three years ago. I mean, someone asked her three years ago if she would think about legalizing marijuana, and she just laughed in that individual's face like he was an idiot. And now she's running around like, hey, let's legalize weed. Let's de uh, decriminalize sex work. When she is probably the most at fault for the draconian sex work policies that are in California at the moment. I mean, she was someone who would just throw 
people in jail if their kids didn't make it to school. I, I mean, she, I don't know. I mean, when this kind of hypocrisy is blatant and Donald Trump says someone's nasty, I, I, I think that's reasonable. I don't think those were the reasons he was calling her nasty, though. <laughs> but, I mean, that's how it's going to be interpreted. If you're someone who's watching on and off, most people don't really care about politics. Let's be honest. They have much more important things to do. I do because, I mean, this is my job and I have an incentive to research everything. But I still don't know everything. I, there's a lot that I don't know. I don't know most things. <laughs> and just the random individual who's probably going to vote only for the presidency, because that's when you have the highest turnout is during the presidential elections. That's still a minority of the country. They, you know, they're, they're, they're having very limited information that's coming in. And if they see something that demonizes someone on the other side that they associate with at the moment, they're going to go with it. You know what's interesting, um, it's always good to have these discussions, is that in high schools now, colleges, it's rare to find any student who does not know the name of Donald Trump. Not only knows the name of Donald Trump, but he elicits a reaction from them. And they are saying, even in the his course of history, that he, more than anyone else, has gotten young people interested in politics again. They follow it like it's a soap opera. They follow it it's like a TV drama. Yeah. To them, it's much must watch, must watch TV. Well, that's why people want to be entertained by the president, because they know that, you know, in the modern world, federal politics is going to be blasting on the news all day long and on Twitter and on Facebook and wherever else. And so if you're going to have a president who's going to be on TV all day long, they might as well be someone who's entertaining. Because if it's someone who's boring, then why do you want? It's going to, you're going to be bored on by cable news TV all, all day long. And we have that. But at what price, Jacob? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of the fanfare with Donald Trump and all the hype, it's really just, it's, I, I don't even know what it is. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just noise. At the, you know, I, I think that the majority of things that happen in Washington have absolutely nothing to do with what's discussed on the news, specifically about Donald Trump. And I think it's just further pushing people away from voting with some sort of political objective in mind. And because of that, more terrible policies are passed. And government grows without democracy being able to uh, curtail it because people aren't provided with the proper information. So I think it's just going to foster incredibly large government programs that will collapse violently and when that happens, we'll see how the country deals with it. What policies, I think this is a bit, Democrats have to run on in terms of actual accomplishment other than Donald Trump, not, which is not an accomplishment other than him being the reason? Um, I mean, they can, in terms of what they've done so far, there's, there's little. I mean, but they've, all they can they can't do much with just the House, obviously, since there's a Senate and, a, and Trump to get through. What, but, what, what has Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer accomplished that the Democrats take to the people? It's a winning issue. For Not a huge amount. I think it's going to be all about what they want to get done when they have power. And that's kind of what Republicans did in 2016. Um, or even before that, they always said, you know, give us the House and we'll repeal Obamacare. Give us the Senate and we'll repeal Obamacare. Give us the White House and we'll repeal Obamacare. 
and they got those and they sort of repealed Obamacare, but not like they said they would. So, um, you know, that's going to be the thing with Democrats is whether it's uh, abolishing ICE or free college or Medicare for all, they're going to say, well, we have the House. It's OK. Now give us the Senate in, in 2020 and then give us the presidency in 2024 and we'll do all these things. And if that happens, I still don't think you'll get almost any of those things. But uh, that's what they have to campaign on. Um, Jacob, do you think Democrats deep down in their heart of hearts looking for a, Demo a Democrat Donald Trump? So deep down in the heart of heart of Democrats, they're really looking for a Donald Trump, to defeat Donald Trump in the White House. I mean, they're at 21 candidates, guys. I mean, will they find someone like a Donald Trump? No. <laughs> no, there's only one Donald Trump. And the reason why you have so many candidates isn't because so many people think they're going to become president. It's just because Donald Trump attracts a lot of media attention, mm -hmm. and they know if they announce and they have enough reason to be considered seriously, they're going to get a lot of media exposure. That's at least what 75% of the candidates are doing. They know they have no chance, but they want the media exposure the same way that the media ex uh, was exposing Donald Trump during the 2016 election. So uh, the only person I think who can beat Trump is Bernie. Mm. I think Bernie's the only one who can beat him because I think the vast majority of Bernie supporters who were following him during the Democratic primary in 2016 ended up voting for Trump. Um, I know the polls sometimes say that's not true, but they do show a significant portion of them voting for Trump. And almost every single one I've talked to back in my home state of Ohio voted for Trump. You know, it was just a, we really don't like the establishment. We're putting up our middle finger to the establishment. And Bernie was that candidate. And once he was taken away from the Democrats, they basically just resorted to Donald Trump. I know many unions and blue collar workers who have voted Democrat for almost the last half century. And they all got together in Ohio and voted for Trump. So, I mean. I, th I think it's possible, sorry, again, that uh, I think it's possible Bernie can beat Trump, but I think the most likely candidate that could do it would be Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden has that fighting attitude that people are looking for. Um, but I also think Joe Biden is either a boom or bust candidate. I think he either goes all the way and, and wins the nomination or he... I think he's another Walter Mondale. Jeb. Or yeah, he might be another Jeb or Rudy Giuliani or Rick Perry who ends up getting zero delegates. So uh, we'll see. And with Joe Biden, you know, he, there's, there's so much in his past that could come up, but I think it's also kind of like with Donald Trump where we already knew him so well and knew what was in... Trump's past. And yes, there was new stuff, obviously, that came out. And there's going to be new stuff coming out with Joe Biden. And the examiner has been doing some great reporting on that. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens, I think. But I think Joe Biden has that entertaining fighting attitude that we don't really see from the likes of Cory Booker or Elizabeth Warren. But, but have you seen a candidate like Trump before with the energy of a youth, the way he moves around the country at these rallies? And yet, He's so hungry to win again. He likes winning. Yes, he, he does. likes to win. Um, you know, and it's 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 interesting to watch that because I think if Joe Biden really wanted to win, then we would have seen him run in 2016 because um, that would have shown he had a hunger and a passion for for these things. But um, the video the video campaign rollout I think was not great. I think he focused too much on 
you know, this Charlottesville rally that people don't think about every day rather than talking about just beating Trump or, you know, improving the economy or something like that. But maybe it was, I guess it was tough for him to run on pocketbook issues since the economy numbers are doing so well. You know, sometimes, um, Jacob, we hear uh, experts say, well, it doesn't seem the president has the fire in the belly. It seemed like all these investigations and all these allegations has taken a toll on him. And he doesn't really seem that he wants it anymore. Trump is just, and, and in most presidents, I, I said, you don't hear, and, and like Jimmy Carter, when he was going through the Iran crisis, he held himself prisoner in the White House. And when most presidents are going through a crisis, you don't see them out on the trail. Mm-hmm. This guy, yeah. it's different. Well, yeah, because he knows there's a base that will follow him anywhere, and that if he goes to Green Bay or, you know, certain pockets of the country that no matter what he says or what he does, that if, if he shows up there, then he'll, he'll have draw a huge rally. And um, that just and obviously he gets energized by these rallies. And uh, and I think these investigations, even though he hates them, uh, energize him, too. I mean, he, he <laughs> likes to be able to he wants to throw this back in the Democrats faces and just show that even with all this. Uh, garbage in his opinion that he can still beat them but Jacob he's also his best and worst asset I think he's just his best asset I think all of these um, all of these investigations all of these controversies are exactly what he wants he has the media wrapped around his finger just talking about him it's always about him no matter <laughs> what it's always Donald Trump 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 yeah. he goes out he's a little bit funny and then people vote for him. I think this is exactly what he wants. And the media is giving it to him. And honestly, I think the media loves Trump, too. They're all, I mean, at least the major networks, I think they're making record profits, record views off of this. And they'll tell you they don't like Trump. But, I mean, look at who they put on and look at how much money they're getting and look at the views. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, Jason, Jacob. Thanks, Armstrong. It's a pleasure. Audience, thank you for watching this edition of the strong cast is a little different. We talked a little politics today, which is rare for the strong cast, but many in the comment section asked, why don't you talk more about the president and other things? We like the topics you talk about, a little, little politics, we like that too, so we gave you a little politics today. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>